I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. But just notice when you're trying to shoot yourself into doing something. So when we start with our genius, when we start with our gates, the question becomes, what am I already great at? What do I enjoy? What do I have some strengths, expertise, and talents in? And based upon that, what would be some good things to do, some good goals to do that would help me lean into those from the beginning, as opposed to getting on a struggle bus and trying to like get this thing done with you know one arm behind your back. This is your Kick-Ass Live Podcast, episode number 369, with guest Charlie Gilkey. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2021. We took a week off last week, and I wanted to start this episode just by saying thank you again to those of you who filled out the podcast survey that we sent out. Gosh, it's been a couple of months now, and I know I already thanked you once. We even had a drawing where a few people won some Your Kick-Ass Life swag, but I just wanted to extend my gratitude. Again, we we had a team meeting where we dug into the the answers and the results again, and it's incredibly helpful to us to really hear you and know what it is that you want in the podcast. And I'm excited to announce that over really over the the upcoming year, we're going to roll out some new things starting probably late spring. I have a new podcast series that is going to be really sort of, I hope it's one that you listen to over and over again. It is sort of a motivational, inspirational, um, ass-kicking, dare I say it, (laughs) short podcast episodes for you to have sort of in your back pocket on your phone for when you feel like you need it. We're also going to start doing some mini-sodes. That is one of the things that you said in the survey that many of you would like, and these are going to be short, again, kind of motivating and just a, a quick tip or tool that I roll out in addition to the interviews that we do here on the show. So stay tuned for that this year. Super excited to send that out to all of you. Just a quick thing about this particular interview that's coming up. 
I failed to turn on my fancy microphone, and so it recorded. I must have just been so excited to talk to Charlie. It recorded with just the mic from my AirPods, which isn't terrible at all. Charlie didn't even notice, and it's funny because you know, I talked into my mic the entire time, but it wasn't on. So it might sound a little bit different than you're used to. So sorry about that. And the other thing that I wanted to tell you is that, as I mentioned, it's the new year, and you might feel like this year is especially important because <laughs> of what we all faced in 2020. And I know that you know many struggles are not over, but I wanted to extend an invitation to those of you who might need and feel like you need some extra support. So my lead coaches and I work with women in a few different areas. Maybe you want absolute clarity on what's next for you in 2021 and you need help with a plan to get there. We can help you with that and give you 100% support along your journey. And my specialty is a couple of different women. So the first type of woman that I work with is someone who has had success in her career. Maybe she's climbed the corporate ladder or she has her own business or she's a freelancer, but her career has has been one of her main priorities over the last decade or, or many, many years. People would never know that she still struggles with confidence and she struggles to take her career and her life to the next level. I help these women understand and accept that they're just getting started and that so much more is possible for them. So I can teach you the tools you need to create more success in your career and in your life. The second type of woman uh, that I love working with, that is my zone of specialty, may or may not have put her career first. She might be a mom of small children or grown children or motherhood may not be in the cards. She loves bettering herself and has seen some good results from the podcasts and books she listens to and knows that she, maybe she feels like it's kind of like a tap on her shoulder that she might have a problem with her relationship with alcohol. About half of the clients I take on struggle here. And while working with me is not a recovery program. I am certified in the She Recovers coaching and have nine years of sobriety and recovery myself. So I can help you get clarity. I can help you create a plan and help you activate massive self-awareness that is unique to you. Not all of, all of the clients that come to me end up getting sober. Some of them, it, it really just depends. So let's talk. There's a couple of different ways that uh, you can apply to work with us. The, really the easiest way is to text the word APPLY to 33777 and the link will be sent to you. Again, the application does not obligate you in any way to work with us. We'll figure out if you are a good fit for either me or one of my lead coaches. Again, just text the word apply to 33777. All right, now on to the show, the first show of 2021. Charlie Gilkey is back. He's been on the show a couple of times. I feel like he's been on twice. Maybe it's just once because I've been over on his show as well. But for those of you that don't know who he is, let me tell you a little bit about him. Charlie Gilkey helps people start finishing the stuff that matters. He's the founder of Productive Flourishing, author of the book Start Finishing, and The Small Business Lifecycle, and the host of Productive Flourishing podcast. 
Before starting Productive Flourishing, Charlie worked as a Joint Force Military Logistics Coordinator while simultaneously pursuing a PhD in philosophy. So without further ado, here is Charlie. Charlie, welcome back to the show for the third time. Andrea, I'm happy to be here for the third time. And um, any conversation with you is, is great and fun and interesting. So I'm looking forward to this one as well. Yeah, well, I I was thinking about the new year and I was thinking I want to have somebody on who can talk about goals, but not talk about goals. And there was only one person I could think of who I wanted to have on and that person couldn't come on. So then I asked you. (laughs) I appreciate that. And, you know, I'll send that person, you know, note to make sure to have him. Like, if you can't really get me, Charlie, he'll do. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That is not true. I you actually were the first person I thought of because your specialty is productivity, but I, I love that you talk about productivity from such a, a a different place, I think, than all the other books talk about productivity. And I want to start with well, I feel like let's start with like the elephant in, in the room and let's talk about ending 2020, shall we? Let's do it. Ugh. How can, what is your advice for people who, you know, as we step into the new, this new year, into 2021, and I think that, I think there's many of us who feel like, oh my God, it's just going to be magic. We're going to, we're going to say goodbye to 2020. <laughs> now 2021 is going to be, be just our year. But I know you talk a lot about being more present and that's sort of a thing that gets thrown around a lot in self-help. But talk to us about how to be more present in 2021 now that we've just stepped out of 2020 and not just be on autopilot, which I think a lot of us have been in just kind of survival mode. Yeah, I think we've had different perspectives on 2020. So one of the first things that I want to say about 2020, and Andrea, this is going to make me sound for some people to be like incredibly tone deaf, Um, but I'm going to go there anyways, because I'm with you, right? Um, and that is to find out ways to thank 2020 for what it's provided for you. Okay. Uh, because I've talked about that before. This isn't the first time you're hearing. I sent out an email that was similar. Great. So people can throw tomatoes at us both and we can, you know, not yes. have it both ways. <laughs> but the reason we want to start there, I don't know what you said about it, but the reason we want to start there is because I think there's so much either resentment or unfinished business or frustration about how, what 2020 did to us all. And mm-hmm. I think when you look at, What's underneath underneath that, what I've talked to um, and what I've learned from so many people is it actually made them more present to their family. It made them more present to their community. It made them more present to stuff that matters. Um, and I don't want us to roll into 2021 and forget the lesson, forget the gift that we learned what mattered. And just because things may pick back up, you know, there may be a vaccine on the way. There may be all these different types of things, but those things that you've learned this year about how important your work is, about how important community service is, about how important your family is, be present to that. And instead of trying to make space for 2021, what I would say is how in 2021 do you continue to make space for the things you've already learned how to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is why we're we're friends because I, I basically said the same thing. And, and the way I put it was, what did you learn in 2020 about yourself that you maybe needed to go through in order to get here that you want to bring with you that you want to bring forward in 2021? You know that that's made you a better person. As difficult as it may have been, what is that that you want to take with you? 
Yeah, and I want to pause here and just say, you know, we're both speaking from different places of privilege around this. Like we realize there's been some people that have had it really, really, really hard, right? And I'm not at all trying to overplay how hard it's been and how devastating it's been for certain communities and things like that. So that's all true. And it's also true that we've learned a lot and that there's a gift of that season and, you know, this goes back to many spiritual traditions, like not all of the gifts we get are the ones we want and not all of the ones we get are the ones that feel really good. Um, so I just wanted to call out that I realized that, you know, especially in these conversations around self-help and productivity, there is so much privilege and bias around that um, to recognize that, that this conversation, when you've had to work three jobs under COVID and family sick, that's it. You're in a different space. We see you and we love you. and We hold as much space mm-hmm. for that. Um, odds are you're probably not listening to this podcast though. Yeah. Or there's, you know, there's people out there who, who don't have any job who lost their job or, you know, parenting children that stayed home all year from school or lost a loved one to COVID or something else. And, and it, you know, and I think the recovery from this year with the global pandemic and the economic downturn and it being a, um, a political, an election year here in the States, Mm -hmm. it was a lot, uh, it was a lot to carry. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is not going to magically go away in 2021. And so, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Yes. It's going to look different for every single person. And hopefully, you know, people like us that, that do have a lot of privilege that that will teach us if nothing else to be compassionate for those who really, truly struggled in 2020. Yeah. Remember back when everyone was rushing around toilet paper because they didn't know if they were going to be able to get it. Yeah. Like that's many of our fellow Americans. So I wasn't, I wasn't worried. That's yeah. (laughs) That's many people's day-to-day reality. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. it's not because there's not toilet paper on the shelves. There's not money on, there's not money to get the toilet paper. Right. And so I think that's another one of those gifts of COVID is like, if you've never been through that position before, now you understand in a different way. How does that help you become more present in 2021 about, you know, whether that's just building empathetic bridges with people and taking, Mm -hmm. you know, an extra five seconds in that store when you really want to strangle the person in front of you, right? To think like, maybe they're going through something and I remember what that was like. Yeah. And so I'm just going to breathe a little bit for them. But also I'm going to breathe for me because I'm stressing myself out for, you know, a 15 second transaction. Sure. Building empathetic bridges. I love that so much. And and I want to sort of switch gears here and it's the new year. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, and just if you're in the self-help world, you know, this isn't, I know that this is the only self-help podcast that people listen to. People, I think no matter what's going on in the world are going to be talking about goals in January. Mm-hmm. So you, I guess my question is how and why should someone first identify their genius when it comes to tackling their goals? Cause that's something you talk, you talk about. Yeah. So I did talk about this quite a bit and start finishing. And, um, I, I talk about it as their gates and their gates are your genius affinities, talents, expertise, and strengths. And typically what we do, Andrea is we'll set a goal and then we'll start thinking like, crap, how am I going to get that goal? Like, how am I going to pull everything together and figure that out? Um, and unfortunately, because of head trash and some of the mindset stuck that we can get in, we have this very frustrating tendency to choose to do goals that actually are things we're bad at because we want to get better at those bad things as opposed to thinking, mm-hmm. what am I great at? 
and how am I going to leverage that? So when we start with your gates... So well, wait, I'm going to stop you. Give us an example of, of co- something common that you see where someone does that. Where they're like, oh, well, this is the year that I'm going to start blogging, right? I've okay. been saying it, like I've had troubles with writing. But when you look at it, it's like they love their podcast, right? They love podcasting and they just want to do more podcasting. But they're like, this is a year I start blogging. And I'm like, well, it could also be the year that you really amplify your podcast and make that your primary, you know, sort of platform uh-huh. there. Or, you know, this is the year. Right, so the goal is something that, that like they think that they're supposed to do or that someone told them that they should do. Is it something like that? Yeah. I think most of us, when we're yeah. really paying attention, know the difference between a should goal and a get to goal. Right. Okay. And w- notice, Andrea, like it's very odd and uncommon for us to use, like, I should do this thing for something we really want to do. We only mm-hmm. use should when there's some sort of tension or external, like we use, I get to do this, right? Um, so I, I really have people pay attention to the linguistic structures they're using around some of these goals, because it turns out that those should goals um, may not be the right goals for you. Those get to goals that really allow, allow you to lean into your genius, lean to what's exciting, lean to what's calling to you is actually what you can use to fuel your projects because it's, mm-hmm. it's really funny. Like, I think we may have talked about this, Andrea. We don't need an accountability buddy or a productivity system to eat ice cream. Like if it's in front of us, we eat it. Um, it's got its own inherent sort of pleasure factors to it. But a lot of times when we look yeah. at our work, it's like, oh, I need to get motivated. The first time someone tells me about getting motivated, I'm like, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have to get motivated to eat ice cream. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Now, to be clear, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. There's a lot of times when we're doing something that's difficult, that it's like it's harder for us to get into it. That's different than just like 
oh, um, you know, I got to build up motivation. So I'm not on the like passion train, like follow your bliss and follow your passion. Cause I think that can lead us to a road of despair and frustration. Um, mm-hmm. But just notice when you're trying to should yourself into doing something and the annoying coaching question I'm going to ask on that is how's that working for you? <laughs> to quote the philosophical Dr. Phil, right? <laughs> so when we start, with how's our, that working for you? Yeah. How's that working for you? So when we start with our genius, when we start with our gates, the question becomes, what am I already great at? What do I enjoy? What do I have some strengths, expertise, and talents in? And based upon that, what would be some good things to do, some good goals to do that would help me lean into those from the beginning, as opposed to getting on a struggle bus and trying to like get this thing done with, you know, one arm behind your back. Okay. And we'll put a link to, because the last time you were here, we talked more specifically about start finishing and we'll put a link to that episode as well as the book in the show notes. So can you name the gates again, just so I can hear them? Genius, affinities, talents, expertise, and strengths. Okay. It's a catch-all acronym because I didn't want to pee people and be like, well, what's the difference between a talent and a strength? And I'm like, what do you like? That's really what I'm trying to get at. What are you great at? What has some natural spark to it? So it's, it's kind of a catch-all that includes genius as well. Okay. Okay. Well, I talk over here a lot about, you know, we refer to our support system as our marble jar friends. Mm-hmm. It's a term from uh, Brene Brown's work. And these are the people who... You can trust enough to talk about the really big things in your life. And also, I think with your big goals and aspirations and hopes and dreams, like you don't share those with everyone. Like those are a a certain people. And so you also talk about building a pack of supporters. So how can supporters or support system help you move forward, help someone move forward with intention? I love this question. I think more of us need to build, you know, either marble jar friends, I call them success packs around us. Um, because the thing about a well-structured success pack is it makes it such that your own head trash, that your own mindset, that your own fears um, are doing most of the driving for the things that matter, right? Just because uh-huh. you're scared, just because in that moment you didn't feel like you were good enough. If you pull the right group of yaysayers around you, they're going to remind you, be like, hey, Andrea, you could totally do that. You've done that 14 times before, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But you're in the moment, you can't really do that. So I think one of the difference between maybe the marble jar concept and what I talk about in success pack is how you put people to work, right? Um, and so I kind of talk about four different types of people on your success pack. Those are your guides, your peers, your supporters, and your beneficiaries. And um, those dip, four different people do different things. So for instance, your guides, you really recruit them because of the way they see the world. So you're hiring them for their eyes, as it were, right? Your peers, you're hiring them for your brains. Like those are the people you're talking about you're talking with your soundboard and you're figuring things out. Your supporters are your hands. These are the people actually doing work directly for you or indirectly so that you can push your project forward. So that neighbor kid that watches your kids on Saturday, so you can do the stuff that matters mm-hmm. to you. They're a supporter in your success pack. And lastly, your beneficiaries who you hire or who are the heart of your projects because they're the reason you're doing the work, right? It, when it comes down to yeah. it. And so when you think about building your success pack, it's like, who are the people I need to surround myself with such that I see the world in a way that inspires me and reminds me that it's bigger than what I, thought, what I think it is and bigger, or excuse me, that the world that I'm trying to make is one that I can create. So that's what you're 
your guides do? You know, who are those peers around you who know enough to ask you the great questions, but aren't just in your echo chamber so that you get the same damn 20 questions, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who are the supporters? And this, I'll pause here because I know for women, they come back to me and say, like, the supporters is the hardest piece, right, for them. Asking mm-hmm. for people to help them, receiving re- support. Um, that's really hard for many reasons that you talk about a lot on this podcast um, and the beneficiaries. And now the trick here, Andrea, and this is going to make people really upset, uncomfortable, I should say. It's going to make them uncomfortable. You recruit and build your success pack before you build a plan. That's the critical okay. link that people do. They're like, go like, I'm going to figure it all out. I'm going to do this. I know what I'm doing. And then they'll spend six mm-hmm. to nine months Googling it and reading all the books and all the things And then they'll basically go to their success pack and be like, I have a plan. Yes or no. And it gives, it gives people like, okay, I can say yes, or I can say no. Like I can, there's not much room for actual co-creation and collaboration here. Right. You Uh you haven't really let me in. You've shown me the made up pretty version of yourself that you want me to see, like pull people on sooner because your success pack will help you set better goals. They'll help you make better plans and they'll help you figure out how to extract yourself when you've locked yourself into a cage. Right. And so that's what I think I really want people to flip is like set the goal. You can have it be a rough intention, pull the people in that can help you make that goal real um, and then get about planning, (laughs) then get about doing, Mm -hmm. don't do all of the goal setting, planning and doing. And then when you're like, you know, crawling through the project desert, and you've taken it as far as you can and you reach up to your feet, you're like, help, right? Help me now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't do yeah. that. That's the hard it's emergency, way, right? I have found that the, my strongest relationships are the women that I've been friends with from the beginning. But I, I also want to point out and be very transparent about the fact that I've had relationships that I have had since the beginning or almost the beginning that have ended for, for various reasons. And, and some of those have been falling outs, some of them have been betrayals and disagreements and arguments. So, you know, and, and this this podcast audience is is largely women, and I think what tends to happen is that many people listening, not all, uh, but many don't trust other women. I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but I, I want to point that out because it's. I just want to make sure that we talk about the elephant in the room and say, it's not as easy as just, you know, going on Bumble BFF, which is a thing actually, and, and finding your, your community of women, your support system, and then you trust them implicitly for them to, to walk through, whether it's your professional goals or your personal goals or your relationship woes and, and all of those things. So I think that the bottom line of it that I, I want to leave people with is, yeah. Yes, your your stuff is real around it's cultural and it's personal. I think you know the the whole lack of trust that many of us have for other women, and at the same time, please, please, please work through your stuff and and keep trying. I so they're out there. Yeah, I so love that. I so love this on so many on so many levels here. Andrew, I want to be like, let's talk about it. And I realize that, that, it, that on this podcast, we may not have the time to talk about it. Yes, um, I'm not at all um, advocating that what I said was easy. I didn't easy. think that you were saying No, no, no. But yeah, I'm I glad think. you did though, right? Sometimes it's the simple things that are hardest to do, right? Yeah. It's simple to build a group of, you know, amazing supporters around you. 
it can be challenging. It can be difficult, mm-hmm. right? And part of why it's difficult, and I'm so glad you named it, is not because of the people out there, because it's the person inside, right? The distrust you might have towards other people. And mm-hmm. what I want to pause here is, is let's let's talk about asking for help because that I think, especially for women and people of color, becomes a difficulty thing because we have different mindsets around help, right? That if I ask for help, I'm less than. If I mm-hmm. ask for help, I'm going to owe somebody. If I ask, they're going for, to judge me. They're going to judge me, right? If I mm-hmm. ask for help, um, then I'll forever be on the hook to help them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can go down those different stories and just like, you know what? That's that's too much emotional entanglement. That's too much work. I'm just going to do it by myself. It's not worth it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. And well, then, we romanticize independence. Yeah. Um, All the single ladies, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. We definitely do. I get it. Um, And when you look at people who are really thriving in their work, really thriving in their work, they inevitably have a success pack around them. They might not call them that, but they have these group of advisors. No one does their best work in absolute solitude. Um, And I'll just name it too. So many of the, you know, especially white bros that we see out there with these killer businesses, it's all about them. They're telling you it's a small business, have whole armies of independent contractors doing the work of people who have never been seen. And these people are never seen. They're never referenced. They're never included in things. Right. And so we have this myth of like, oh, I can do this. And this is what entrepreneurship or creativity or success looks like. But when you peel back a few layers, you see there's a lot of folks getting a lot of help. Right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And so even if they're not entrepreneurs, like, I mean, it, it's there's other help behind the scenes in people's personal lives. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so I just want to call that out, because what if, Andrea, what if we really lean into the interdependence we all have and start saying, you know what, that barista that makes me coffee every day, the few. Yeah, they're part of my writing success pack, because if I don't have if mm-hmm. we don't have that interaction where not only is it about the coffee, but we talk, we jam, I warm up a little bit. They are important to my work. They, their work matters to mine. Right. Mm-hmm. And my work matters to them, obviously, because, you know, if there are no customers, they don't have a business. But what if we really acknowledged that, you know, my mom who takes care of my kids is an incredible um, success member of my success pack for work and just name it and celebrate these amazing relationships that we can create with people and understand that, um, just like all relationships, all relationships end. They do. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, if that's death and that's, that's where it ends, but like relationships are trans are trans are about transitions. And how are you with, you know, your pack talking about making that next step, and what growing together looks like and understanding that some people may not be able to grow with you for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I have a question for you and I don't think I've ever asked you this. How do you feel about that very famous Jim Rohn quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with? I think I have thought. Yeah. I think there's a (laughs) lot of truth to it. Um, I have found that like you're most like, I wouldn't say you're the average. Um, What I would Uh say is you become more mentally and emotionally like the the five people you spend the most time around. Um, Uh And that's, you know, we can go into neurology and mirror neurons and all sorts of things like that. But I think what we can't choose in our life a lot of times is the station we're born into and the environment uh, Mm -hmm. that we're born into. 
but it turns mm-hmm. out that one of the biggest things that, that create luck and success for people is who they choose to be around. Um, and so while it's not an absolute like determinism, like if you're around, um, Andrew, I'll go here cause you know, you have lived experience with this, but like, if you're around five alcoholics, you're, uh-huh. you're more likely to be one yourself than if you're around right. five people who don't drink. Right. Um, so there's some, so there's some tendency here, but you asked me that question. So I'm going to give it a, you know, Snopes mostly true. Um, so that sort of thing on that one, but I'm really curious about what you think about it. <laughs> Three and a half stars. Three and a half stars. Um, I, yes. And I, I'm, and like many things, I think in the beginning of my personal development career, loved that quote. And like many of them, it's true. And it's very much cloaked in privilege because, you know, you have to, you have to think about the people who don't have, who aren't born with enormous opportunities and access to resources and access to the kinds of teachers, mentors, friends, parents, siblings, like all of the things that when you think about that quote, and when you think about Jim Rohn, like, let's be honest, that, that they're talking about, that he was probably talking about. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean to throw him under the bus and I didn't know him personally, but I just think that, that that is, that like many things that quote was created and I make this up, it was created for the, for the white bro you know, like, <laughs> who has access to those types of rooms, quote unquote, to those types of people. And, you know, what about the rest of the people? Um, I just think that the hill is bigger for a lot of people. That's all. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. I think the hill, let me put it this way. Um, I'll, I'll take your metaphor and exchange you another one. Um, okay. I think the compass is right. I think the maps are different. Okay. I like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can say, given how I grew up poor, black in the South in the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't just walk and, you know, have great conversations with Nobel laureates and Harvard, you know, po- folks and rich, like that wasn't something that I can do. Um, yeah. at that time, except, and that was pre-internet. So that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. And I feel like maybe you could have just tried a little bit harder though. Yeah. I mean, I could have just like written a bunch <laughs> of letters to people. Like I could have done that. And I also knew like who in my friend networks were going to be the people who got in trouble and which weren't. Okay. Right. Yeah. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. 
I am Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I also knew like which of the people in my in my community were more likely to keep me on the straight and narrow and which ones were more likely to end me up in a ditch, right? And so mm-hmm. even amongst that level, I think I want us to um, have some personal responsibility. And I'm not trying to say it's easier or hard. I mean, it's not that it's easy to do, but I think we can all look around and say, you know what, is that friend a growth partner or are they historical relationship? And there's nothing yep. that is wrong with that distinction, right? Some people we're friends with because we've been friends with them 30 years. And I love right. that. And some friends um, we met two years ago and they're really helping us grow in so many different ways, right? They have less history, but they have more growth, right? And so I think just asking those questions does give us back to like, am I, um, am I surrounding myself with people who are helping me be- become my best version of myself and that I'm serving mm-hmm. them in that way? And the other thing, if we're talking about people in the room is, are you continually putting yourself in the position where you're the smartest person in the room? Right. Um, it, because that also becomes an issue. Now, here's what's funny. Funny. I'll say it's interesting when you talk about this with women is because um, on the one hand, a lot of women don't want to say they're the smartest person in the room and regard themselves as such. And yet at the same time, they are the most credentialed, qualified, experienced, researched people in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's that sort of thing where you don't want to claim it. So because you can't claim it, you can't see the pattern well enough and you end up in rooms where you're like, ah, no one can help me. No one gets what I'm talking about. It's like, of course, you built a whole room around you such that you're the alpha um, in the room. Mm -hmm. And um, that means you're going to be the person that defines the limit of the conversation in the room. Yes, to all of that. And, you know, and I I think for the people listening, I think now they're probably at a place in their life where it is possible for them to take inventory of the people around them and maybe set some boundaries. Um, and, and maybe that boundary looks like that you don't share with your childhood friend, the, the dream that you have of writing a book or starting your own business because, because they, um, they still think that that is like the scariest thing ever. And they're going to tell you, they're going to be the naysayer. Like you surround yourself with, I like that you call that yay sayers. I've never heard that term before. I like that. Still it. It's also in the book, but still it. But I want to I want to quote myself. <laughs> okay, so you can steal it and then put it in your own quote and quote yourself. Let's do it, Andrea. Go. <laughs> I'm gonna plagiarize. Plagiarize. No, in Fifty Two Ways to Live a Kickass Life, I wrote: Surround yourself with assholes, and you're in for a shitty life. And I didn't realize when I wrote it that it's 
like pun intended. <laughs> you really didn't see that one? I didn't. No, no pun intended. Not until it actually was about to come out and we were pulling quotes to make memes. And I was like, oh my God, that's kind of gross. Like if you think about it, but it's also kind of funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't see the manuscript because I would have called that at the begin- very beginning because that's hilarious. <laughs> right. Uh, Surround yourself with assholes and you're, you're in for a shitty life. Yeah. So get, but yeah, go ahead. It takes work. I'm just saying like, it takes work. It takes intention. Many times it takes setting boundaries and it also takes trusting new people. And and that is, that is very scary. It's not always going to work out. I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody, yay, go out and trust new people. And you're going to have this, these fantastic, beautiful, nurturing friendships. Not always. I have been betrayed. I've been stabbed in the back. I've been yelled at. I've been called names. I mean, that's very rare. It's a very rare occurrence. Yeah. That's maybe like a half a percent, but it does, it does happen. Yeah. Why well, you got to tell our business like that, Andrea? No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing though. Here's, here's where I want to um, invert the question a little bit or invert what you're saying. Yes, all that's true. But I think what we re- fail to think about is how much work we're already doing with our status quo, right? You're like, oh, it's really hard to go make friends and, and you know, build a success pack. And yes, it is. And how hard is what you're currently doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Let's put that on deck. Like all those extra long days you put in, all those ways of you carrying the full responsibility for your work and your goals, all those days of you being the inevitable martyr in the situation, that's hard too. Yeah, it is. And think about the alternative. Like, it, And I always ask people too, like, how bad does it have to get? How hard does it have to get for you to take different action? You know, I do a lot of coaching. Andrea, you know this, right? So, um, and some of this around, you know, um, women and what they get into is coming from my work with women who are executives. So, um, I had one of my clients who she was talking about something and we had talked about it for a few times and um, she sort of brought it up again. I was like, are you in enough pain to take this seriously yet? Mm -hmm. Um, Because apparently in the past, you were not in enough pain. It wasn't hard enough yet for you to take, for really to take action on this. So I'm asking, are you in a different space today than we were last time? And it wasn't just me being a butthole, right? Um, Although I can't, I can't be that when it's needed. It was really saying like the, some of these life-changing, career-changing, work-changing things that we need to do. um, the, The level of pain that we're in has to be greater than the level of pain of making the change. Because as long exactly. as we perceive that imbalance is like, well, you know, it's going to be hard work to make this change. Um, you know, as long as we don't see that relationship with the hard work, it's going to be to not make the change. We're going to continue to stay stuck. So sometimes mm-hmm. there's a really great way of asking yourself, like, is this painful enough that I want to address it right now? And if the answer is no, then go on about your life. Like, yeah, do something might, else. It might be no. Right. Um, but if it's yes. I always give people that option. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. Like, I can't want it more than you, Yeah. but where's, where's your tipping point? And, and either your client or the people listening, like you're the only one that knows that knows what that is. And I always, I always refer to it as a pain tolerance. Yeah. Like everybody has a different pain tolerance. Mine might look different than yours. What might look different from Charlie's. And sometimes it's just having that conversation, this conversation, whether, you know, we're coaching a client or whether a listener right now is having that conversation with themselves. What is your tipping point? Like, I don't know what that looks like for you. And the whole tough love thing, it's, it's, I think that as experienced coaches, we listen to our intuition and know when it's time. Like I would 
I would, I don't think I've ever done that. Like in a first session with a client, but I have done it like in a fourth session when I've heard the same goddamn story. (laughs) (laughs) I had the, I had the most badass client one time and she kept coming with the same story and I interrupted her and I said, I am so tired of hearing this story. I can't even imagine how tired you are of hearing yourself tell it. And and as soon as I said it, I did have that like, oh shit, like <laughs> that may have been a little bit too harsh, mm-hmm. even though I knew that it wasn't. And she told me later, she's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And then she did end up taking action on it. But sometimes we need that slap in the face. I think so. And, and especially so much of the conversation has been around like powerhouse women. Like, again, if you're in the space where like you've surrounded yourself with people who can't ask that question right? They're going to really go into problem solving mode. They're going to go into all sorts of ways of trying to help you figure it out. But the thing about it is you haven't figured out whether it matters enough to figure out. Right. And so you just invite people into these, I, you know, sometimes when it comes to strategy conversations, I I make it, it's kind of like a game of social Sudoku. Like we're just moving things around. We're having this game, but we're really not doing anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all like to play that game, but nothing's changed. And so in this scenario, you know, your scenario and one of my clients is like, look, are you in the, in the space where this matters enough for you to figure out? And if the answer is no, let's table it. Right. Right. Um, And talk about something else that does matter. But if it's yes, all right, let's get it. Um, Or, you know, as I'll follow you later here. And, and, um, you know, as my mom used to say about this shit or get off the pot, right. Do one or the other. Yeah. (laughs) Best saying ever. (laughs) (laughs) She's gonna right? be. She's gonna be mad that I said that in public. Oh well, mom, it's a, it's a good lesson. You'll be all right. Your mom would be mad. Oh yeah, she'd be mad. Oh my mom, my mom would celebrate. <laughs> she, she'd be like, yeah, that's true. She'd be like, I said that in private. You weren't supposed to say that in public, Charlie. Don't don't be telling people out there that I said that. And it was like, it's a good lesson though. It's what you learned. Anyways, should her get off the pot? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think that mental gymnastics that we do is oh. And I have so been there. I've so been there. And I, I know we, we sort of went in like one big giant circle, but I want to I want to circle back to the new year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's applicable, right? It's very applicable. Of uh, People might be gaining their momentum again to do the things, the goals that they had previously, or, or maybe, you know, I know some people where 2020 was a really great year for them, like wherever you are on the spectrum. I I think maybe my question becomes, what do you want people to know that we haven't talked about yet in terms of productivity or goal setting or New Year's or, or whatever as we as we go into 2021? All right. So I'll try to wrap it up with three points. Let's see if I could do it. Okay. Um, one, when it comes to 2020 or whatever you're facing, make it less about what's happening to you and more about how you're responding to it. Um, I think when you take that that level of er- that ownership and responsibility, you'll see that you can co-create new pathways to where you're trying to go. So that's step one. Two, mm-hmm. um, plans are guides for action. And when reality changes, the most reasonable thing to do is to change the plan, not to try to change reality. Um, and I say that because people will get so wrapped around the axles about the plans and intentions they made such that the story and the head trash becomes around them not following the plan, not doing it. I'm like, what if that plan was its sole job was to get you to this moment of choice for you to make another choice in this moment to go forward. Um, It wasn't a guide for you to like do exactly that sort of thing. And so just give yourself some grace, but realize that the plans are made to guide action, not to put you in a straitjacket. 
And the third thing that I would say on this one is, um, though it may be harder, pulling people in sooner will make your goals and projects um, so much better and so much more worth doing. Yes. I think that was such a fantastic wrap up. And and thank you for wrapping that up into three points. You did a really, I just want to give you an A plus. We were, we were chatting before, <laughs> before we started recording and you wanted to know how verbose you could be, how much time we had. And, and you wrapped up very quickly. A plus, Charlie. Thank you. I appreciate that. Andrea knows that's not always my forte. So um, every conversation with you, Andrea is great. So until next time. Until next time, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your time. I know how valuable it is. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast. If you'd like some extra support, we would love to see how we can help you. You can apply for private coaching by simply texting the word APPLY to 33777, and the link will be sent to you. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.